not a prophet, but I am a student of history. And so two years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but I told you that this was coming. I told you that in the wake of this pandemic, there would be economic difficulty and hardship. There was no stopping it. Uh, disruptions in supply lines due to plague, scarcity, resulting climbing prices. Those things have always come in the wake of pandemics. It would make no difference who occupied the White House or the governor's mansion. You could stop it no more than you could have stopped the sun from coming up this morning. On social media, I see posts about the scarcity Um, stores posting that they're changing store hours, their store hours of operations due to short staffing because people are out sick, Um, empty vegetable aisles in the grocery store. I'm sure that that you've seen those. Um, Empty shelves. And I saw uh, one plea on social media from people who lived out of state on a local community group. Uh, This woman whose uh, parents who were in their 80s who had been without propane and therefore without heat for 36 hours. And the responses to posts like that are are telling about where the hearts of people are. Some people responded by mocking others for not being as well prepared as they were. Some weighed in with the solution to the problem. And see, they have uh, never been in, involved in operations or in charge of operations. They've never held a government position, but it was certain that if they were in charge, none of this would have ever happened. And then some responded with a pseudo-righteous indignation, recommending lawsuits for stores that don't carry the things that you want, or for the propane companies, or for restaurants. Very few people actually offered in any tangible way to help because that would cost something. Jesus said to us, so do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we cover ourselves with? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And we see in the Bible time and time again that God provides for us as he uses us to provide for others. I want to read to you today from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. This is God's Word, God's Gospel. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? 
He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place. The men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. God's word. Father, in a world that is red with tooth and claw and the response is mine first, help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. It had been a a long, hard day for Jesus and his disciples. The crowds, they just kept coming. Not because of what Jesus was teaching, but because they saw him heal the sick. He provided a tangible benefit for people. It's a benefit that's universally recognized. Uh, We encounter people in the Gospels who don't really think that what Jesus has to say, what he teaches, is much of a blessing. But everyone recognizes that making sick people well is a blessing. And Jesus, throughout his earthly ministry, liberally blessed people in very tangible ways. He oftentimes didn't ask whether they had faith. In fact, we've seen some instances in the Gospel of John where he blessed people who didn't have any faith. In verse 4, we're told that the Passover was near. Now, this is the second Passover in John. A year's time from these events will be Jesus' third and last Passover with his disciples. And when Jesus completes his work and he departs, He's going to leave behind his church to continue his work, to be his body, to be his hands and feet. In fact, in John chapter 14, when we get there, we'll see that he'll tell his disciples that they will do greater works than he did, by which he doesn't mean better works, but he means more extensive because Jesus could be only one place at a time. If he was feeding people over here, he couldn't be feeding people over here. If he was healing people here, he couldn't be healing people here. But he's going to go to the Father. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. And the body of Christ is going to be pervasive throughout the earth. And Jesus teaches his disciples an important lesson in faith and in ministry. It's recorded here so that we may learn it too. 
God provides for us as he uses us to provide for others. Now, in order to prepare us for his service, Jesus has to radically reorient our thinking from that of being orphans to being sons and daughters. Um, I've got friends who have adopted orphaned kids from uh, places in the world that, where they're not too well cared for. And one of the biggest readjustments that they have to go through, if you've ever talked to people with kids like this, is that when they get them home, they, they have to be able to convince the kids not to hoard food and hide food and hoard resources. See, they're used to uh, having to get what they need by any means possible. They were orphans, and nobody really provided for them. Nobody really ever cared for them. But now they have parents who love them, who do care for them, who will provide for them, and they need to learn that they don't have to live in fear of privation like that. And so do we. John told us at the very beginning of his gospel to all who receive him, that is, Jesus Christ, to him he gave the right to become the children of God. Before, we were orphans. Now, we no longer are. We're God's children. And so Jesus tests and he teaches Philip. He says to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And Philip responds, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have even a bite. Do you see that Philip answered a different question? Jesus said, where? Philip thinks, how? And, and he shows by that answer the assessment of Jesus' question. But what he's saying, in effect, is we don't have enough money to do that. They didn't. They didn't have eight months' wages saved up. But, but you see what's happened here is that Philip is focused on the cost. Jesus is focused on the need. Are, are you ever like Philip? I am. It's, it's easy to let the cost eclipse the need if it's beyond my ability to provide it. Isn't that our natural inclination? If it's well within our ability to provide it, then of course we'd be glad to do it. But if it falls outside of our ability, we so easily conclude this can't be done. It's impossible. So it's a funny thing, you know, it seems like our greatest goal in the church our greatest goal in the American evangelical church and maybe our greatest goal in the American evangelical 
Reformed church is to get to that blessed place where we're able to serve God without any faith. That it's well within our ability to provide, well within our ability to do. And over and against that, the Bible says, but whoever receives him to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become the children of God. And what John is telling us is that we were orphans before we are no more. You like, you like that poem? I wrote that. And you should commit that to memory. We were orphans before we are no more. We are the children of God. And so the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 4, 6, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, so we cry, Abba, Father. In Romans eight fifteen, he says, you have not received a spirit of bondage that leads to fear, but a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 11, he said, listen, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And when we think of what Jesus said there, uh, juxtaposed against what Paul just tells us, that spirit is the spirit of his Son that assures us that we are the children of God. And we see God's care for us best and most clearly when we walk in faith. God provides for us as he uses us to provide for others. Now, Andrew chimes in here. He looks around to see what they, what they do have. And he says, well, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a boy here. He's got five small barley loaves and two small fish. In other words, he's got lunch with him. But, but what's that? And in other words, Andrew looks around, well, what do we have? What are our resources? And he concludes pretty much n- nothing. That the only thing available to us is, is the pitiable resources of a child's lunch. Now look, John doesn't tell us what the interchange is here, and so I don't want to read uh, into the text, but I'm pretty sure that Jesus did not mug this kid for his lunch. I'm pretty sure that he asked him if he could have the lunch. And, and this kid, being a kid, being a child, is trusting. And he agrees. God provides for us as he uses us to provide for others. You know, I think that if we could keep our lack of faith out of the way, we would see Jesus provide beyond what we could ask or imagine. 5,000 plus people, five small loaves of bread, two fish. They're not going to go very far. If it was all up to the disciples, 
all up to their ability, they would do nothing. It would only make sense. But it was not all up to the disciples. Jesus was with them. And and it's important to see here that Jesus has them help out with what he is doing. He says, have the people sit down. It says that he distributed the food, but I imagine that he didn't hand it all out himself, that that he gave it to his disciples, and they were distributing the food. And, and, you know, I don't know what the scene looked like. Maybe these fish and loaves were in a basket and Jesus bends down and he just keeps handing food and handing food and handing food and handing food and handing food. And, and we're told that everybody had enough to eat. It's a, it's a pretty incredible story. And should the disciples have been shocked at that? Should they have been surprised? They were with him in Cana of Galilee. Not everybody saw what they saw. They saw the need met. They saw the water at that wedding become wine. And through his disciples, they were assisting him, through his disciples, Jesus provides what's needed. Jesus has not left us alone. He'll say later in this gospel to his disciples as he's getting ready to go to the cross, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is with us. It's not a matter of our resources. Um, In fact, we're just here helping him. Um, I was at an ordination service one time, and you know, every ordination service that you go to is a little different depending on um, who's officiating over it, who the moderator is uh, of the service. So uh, this, uh, this young man uh, had just been ordained, and, uh, and, 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 and the moderator made an invitation to the pastors and the elders who were there who had some experience. They said, if anybody would like to speak some words of encouragement uh, or advice to uh, this young pastor, uh, you know, we'll do that now. And people stood up and they had some very wise and profound things to say. Um, An elderly elder stood up and he cleared his throat. And this is, was his advice. He said, young man, try to stay out of Jesus' way. It was great advice. I've never forgotten that. I want you to note something here in this text. That in there being the agents of Jesus in providing for others, Jesus provides for them. If, if you've got a Bible today, or take the one in the pew that's in front of you, I want you to just read uh, to yourself John chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Give you a few minutes to read that to yourself.
waiting to watch the heads bob back up here. After everybody had eaten, how many basketfuls did they gather up? How many disciples are there? God provides for us as he uses us to provide for others. We need to be reoriented in our thinking from being orphans to being the beloved children of God that we are. In fact, you know, John, the Apostle John says that in his first letter. Chapter 3, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And we are. That is what we are. You know, when people live like orphans, they, they hoard, they fight, they wrangle, they demand their rights, they do whatever they have to do to get theirs. It's mine first. When we live like orphans, if we help others at all, it's after I'm well provided for, when it's well within my ability and comfortable to do so. That's why, in response to the scarcity and hardship, that people mock or philosophize about how the world would be different if they were in charge, or offer the great American advice to sue. That's the answer to everything. But don't actually offer to help. As children of God, we should and can live differently by faith. If we'll trust God to provide for others through us, he will provide for us. There's one more Passover for Jesus after this. And on that Passover, he'll deliver himself up to the cross, deliver himself over for death, for our sins. And in doing so, he'll reconcile us to God. And we will, in his death and resurrection, have everything that we need to be children of God. Existentially, in our experience, we will be born again. We will be, the theologians would say, regenerated. We will be born of God, as John says it. In our standing before God, we will be adopted as sons and we will have the rights of sons and daughters and will be given the spirit of his son by which we can cry out in confidence, Abba, Father. And Paul asks this in Romans 8, he said, if God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, how will he not along with him freely give to you all things? I hope I'm wrong. I'm not a prophet. But I, I don't think the accordion has caught up. I think we're likely to see harder days ahead. I think we're likely to see more scarcity, higher prices, things becoming more difficult, 
we need to be radically reoriented in our thinking about ourselves. Not as orphans who have to claw to get ours, but to think accurately of ourselves. That we are God's beloved children for whom he will care and provide. If, if we can keep our lack of faith out of the way, I believe that we could see Jesus do beyond what we could ask or imagine, far beyond our abilities to be able to provide. And the practical outworking of what we're taught here is that God provides for us as he uses us to provide for others. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness to us. Uh, Lord, may we never doubt your great love as we look at the cross. May you cause your Holy Spirit uh, to fill us, to know that we have the Spirit of your Son by which we can cry, Abba, Father. Father, help us to see that you haven't left us here with an assignment or a task, that Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's with us. And it's not that we're here doing things, it's that we are here helping him. Help us to rely on his resources and not to look at our own. To have his perspective that we look at the need and not let it be eclipsed by the cross, uh, the cost because we are uh, weak and unable. And, and Father, as you, as you do great things, things that we would not see if we did not exercise faith, uh, help us to trust you more, to praise you more, to give you the glory. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.